Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, a podcast from The Independent on everything to do with love, sexuality, identity and more. This week I'm joined by the actor George Robinson, who is best known for playing Isaac in Netflix's hit series Sex Education. We talked about how George helped to shape the role of Isaac, what it was like working with an intimacy coordinator for some of his scenes with Maeve, and what some of the myths and misconceptions are when it comes to sex and relationships and people with disabilities. I should also add that for those who haven't watched the latest series of Sex Education, there are a few spoilers in this episode, so you might want to wait until you've seen the whole thing before listening. Enjoy the show. Hi, George. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm really good. Thank you so much for coming on Millennial Love. I'm so excited to talk to you. I am a huge fan of sex education. I binged the entire new series uh, when I was very ill with this awful cold that's been going around and no it was not COVID um, so it was great to have something to watch. Um, can you start off just for people who aren't familiar with you and your story by describing your disability and tell us what happened during that rugby game when you were how old were you 16 17 17, 17 right so, um, well, where, where to start really, I suppose. Um, yeah, sport has been like a, a, a big part of my life. Um, just generally all my weekends were filmed, filled with, um, you know, football, uh, rugby, cross country, all of that stuff, an active young lad. Um, and, you know, I was all, I was all right at sport. I think most of it was, I, I could just run quite a lot and lot large distances and stuff. So that sort of meant throughout, you know, football and rugby, I would just run, I just fling my body at people. Um, uh, and when uh, the opportunity came for me to go on a uh, school rugby tour to South Africa, I thought, well, it's spending well two and a bit weeks with your mates in a foreign country. It's, it's perfect. I mean, the rugby was completely secondary, really. Um, and yes, we went on the trip, um, stayed at a lovely um, South African family's house. Uh, and then in the game, um, I was on the bench. So I was very determined to not be on the bench for the for the next game. So I like, hyped myself up and just like, right, I'm going to make a big, big hit make it so I'm not on the bench because it's a bit boring. So yeah, I, I, I we uh, had a scrum on our own five meter line um, and then we kicked it out and I was chasing after the ball, uh, the opposition caught it uh, and I thought it would be a good decision to just dive head first into this bloke. And yeah, and then... The specifics of what happened, I'm not totally 
sure on, but from what I've sort of um, pieced together, maybe is the right way of putting it, is I dove in as he was sidestepping and what happened was my spinal column was dislocated and the dislocation caused um, the severing of the spinal cord. Um, so instantly I sort of was on the floor, not being able to feel stuff. I remember, I remember saying those my first few words of just like, I, I don't feel stuff. Um, I've since become more eloquent. Thankfully. <laughs> um, yeah, I think stuff seemed to, you know, get across the, the nature that things weren't, weren't quite right. Um, I was, yeah, I was completely conscious during all of it, which was a bit of a, a weird one because I was sort of chatting my way through um, breaking my neck and just not really understanding what had quite happened. I knew something wasn't quite right. I couldn't feel stuff, as I've said. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there was an ambulance uh, who were there and they uh, sort of took me to, to hospital. I began to flirt with the nurses uh, in the ambulance. Um, or in the ambulance and the coach told me to not swear. Uh, and so it was like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry for swearing after I've been <laughs> Yeah, and then sort of I, I remember being in the ambulance sort of just trying to piece together what had happened. You know, you at, at the point, I think it was just maybe I couldn't feel stuff because of shock or, or whatever. And I you know, done whatever. I, I wasn't, I was trying to piece together what had happened. Uh, and then I arrived at the hospital and I remember seeing uh, the physician there, the doctor just on the door. And I asked him a, like this question and it was a weird question for someone, for you to ask genuinely um, because it felt, felt, I felt almost silly for saying something. So I don't know weird and it was just like am I going to walk again and he just went right. I don't know and I was like ah not ideal uh, and then that was yeah that was the last thing I really remember before I, I woke up post-surgery with a few bolts in my neck. Am I right in thinking that the character of Isaac it kind of came about after you were cast in terms of they shaped that role for you to a degree. Talk to me about that and how that kind of came about and your involvement in the role. Yeah, so um, I, th I think that the role of Isaac was always meant for someone with a disability. The, the writers have been pretty clear on that, but they were very open as to what disability um, he was going to have. So... Um, they basically, when the casting call went out, it was essentially just a list of his personality traits. So he was, you know, witty, sarcastic, you know, uh, very comfortable within themselves. Um, and yeah, he had a disability. Um, so um, the audition process um, for the casting rates, must have been, you know, very broad in that sense in terms of the different disabilities that they wanted to explore um and yeah when I went in I sort of read it as um I saw a lot of similarities between myself and um and Isaac so that sort of helped me um just relax into it and just go right this is a 
an audition for a Netflix show, I, you know, the the fact that I'm auditioning is cool in of itself. Um, so I'm just going to go in and um, do my best to be Isaac. And luckily they liked it. <laughs> it was cool. What do you love most about playing Isaac? I mean, he's such a brilliant character. Like you said, he's witty, sarcastic. He kind of takes no bullshit. Um, he has this great kind of attitude that I think people really resonate with. And it's a really interesting dynamic seeing him and Maeve, who is also quite like a spiky character. Hmm. Um, so yeah, what do you love most about playing him? I think it's just the the self-assurance that he's got. Like you said, he doesn't take... Um, he doesn't take any stick. He's very, very comfortable within himself. And I feel like I've learned a lot from him in that sense of just belonging. He, he belongs wherever he goes. Um, he'll make himself belong. And whether people like him or not, that doesn't seem to phase him. Um, and I really like playing that. <laughs> And how closely have you worked with the showrunner and the people on set in terms of kind of shaping Isaac's narrative on the show and the kind of trajectory that he takes um, specifically with the relationship with Maeve? Is that something that you've kind of been very engaged in? Well, I think that the, 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 the showrunners and the writers, they have their sort of overarching plan with Isaac and I suppose that the time the when we when I speak to them um a, I mean a lot of it I've, I've had a, some really good conversations in terms of you know where Isaac's going and, and, and my thoughts on on big picture stuff but majority of the time it's right this is what we're planning to do with Isaac what would be the most authentic way in order to do that and ways in which we can explore things have you got any personal experiences that we can interweave into that so i mean the idea of of isaac and mave at the top of the staircase um before isaac's um, otis's party that sort of came from my experience of just almost jokingly suggesting just like okay so i've read so i read that there's gonna be a party uh, i remember from seeing the first series there's a massive stair staircase just before the house like how is Isaac going to get in and I was like oh yeah we'll write that in um but they're really open to sort of suggestions and a few um I've noticed a few times with the self-deprecating humor that Isaac has that and and it's a very very particular thing uh self-deprecating humor um and people with different disabilities approach it in in a different way. So sometimes the wording, um, they're really, really open to me just su suggesting just like, well, actually, I know I know exactly what you're trying to do there, but it wouldn't quite be approached in that way. Um, so they're really open in, in that sense, just with the small like dialogue uh, shifts as well. Mm. And in terms of, um, and this is a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen the latest series, um, but in terms of the relationship with Maeve and there's that kind of intimate scene between Isaac and Maeve, how much of that specifically did you advise on? And what was that scene like to film? How did you prepare for that? Did you guys work with an intimacy coordinator, for example? Yeah, so um, the writers uh, have 
like you know they're they're very good in in, in terms of speaking to various charities um spinal cord injury charities like myself and just making sure that they build up as good a picture as they can and also approach a, a scene like that um and there was a lot of discussions that uh, myself emma um had with the creative team just just talking about the nature of of that scene um because it's such a a, a delicate moment within the story and we just had to make sure collectively that it was right for the characters in that moment we approached it in in the right way because obviously when you see a scene coming up there's like you know, you know right this is going to be a thing culturally just because of the nature of the scene mm. but you've got to in order to do do that scene correctly you've got to completely push that out of your head got a complete because otherwise you're you spend the entire scene just sort of looking at the camera almost just like look at what we're doing aren't we great Pat, uh, let, let's you know aren't, aren't we fantastic including a scene like this but that's just you know that's really annoying and it's the scene wouldn't be successful so we made sure that we just completely ignored um all of that uh cultural significance stuff um, and just made sure we focused on the story, on the characters. Um, and yeah, I'm really, really pleased with that scene. And um, yeah, we worked with uh, an intimacy coordinator who really, you know, was really helpful in um, just making sure we felt comfortable uh, in that moment. I think the way that um, uh, Ron Yararo, um our director and, and um Ollie, the, the DOP really, really helped make us make myself and Emma feel comfortable and the handheld approach was really great. Um, and it's a really beautiful scene. I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I think it's the highlight of the um of the series for me, hundred percent. And and it's not just because it's something that, you know, you never you never see on screen, but I do think, like you said, it's really beautifully handled and you can tell that there's a real kind of level of trust i think between you and emma as actors is that fair to say oh yeah definitely we had loads and loads of conversations i, I mean mo most of my time on set i spend sort of as I, I yeah with with emma so we really made sure that we both felt comfortable and we were advocates for one another to make sure we both felt safe um yeah and obviously when you're working with someone as talented and as um, and as generous as Emma, um, it makes things a lot easier. Mm. What has the feedback been like from viewers of the show, I guess with that scene in particular and from people within the disability community? Because it must have meant so much to see something like that on screen. Yeah, um, the feedback's been really great. Um, Across, I mean, across the the board, really. I think um, a lot of a lot of the things that I've seen, I don't really seek it out, but it's some some things get sent to me and stuff. And a lot of it's like, um, man, I really hate Isaac, but <laughs> like that seems really beautiful or, or whatever. Um, but then, yeah, it's the the message that I've. I've um, seen along the lines of like wow i've never 
seen anything like that before. You have really um, made me feel valid um, as an intimate being, um, which is, uh, yeah, it's it's a real honour to, um, yeah, be, be told stuff like that. In the years after your accident, do you think, how would seeing a scene like that on such a mainstream show as Sex Education is, you know, it's watched around the world, it's on Netflix, it's this huge television series. How would seeing that scene have affected you sort of in the, in the immediate aftermath of the accident, do you think? I'm not sure, really. I think, obviously, it would have helped me feel valid um, and that... Uh, nothing had changed in the sense that I was still, um, like I said, like an intimate, intimate being, heterosexual being. Um, but I think I've, I've, I've realized that there's, I've realized that becoming, it's a very weird thing getting a spinal cord injury because all of a sudden you are part of a minority that you had never been, part of or whatever I'd you know I'd watch the Paralympics every four years or whatever and then all of a sudden I'm sort of you know you're part of this minority so what I've found obviously you know with my accident and seeing a scene like that um in the you know six years since I've been injured um you know it would have changed my mind uh, like just be like wow this is a great scene that I haven't seen before, but for also the people who have been, you know, perhaps disabled for their entire lives and not seeing that at all for their entire lives. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's just a huge honor to, to, to have been a part of that thing culturally. And we were talking before we started recording that uh, sex education has just been confirmed that it's coming back, which is very exciting for another season. And, if you can talk about this as far as we know, you are coming back into the show. I mean, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. I hope so, because I have to be honest, as a viewer, and also spoiler alert to anyone listening, but frankly, if you haven't seen the show yet, you shouldn't be listening to this episode at all. <laughs> but if, um, I was quite frustrated with the way that it ended and the the way that the way that Maeve kind of just said goodbye to Isaac and moved to America and then that was just it. And... Frankly, I thought Isaac forgave Maeve too quickly for kissing Otis. I was like, no, that's not okay. You, he was he was too nice to just be like, oh, no, it's it's fine. Yeah, we'll be friends at some point. I, I left that feeling quite frustrated. How did you feel? Well, I think that with, with Isaac, I don't think, I wouldn't say he forgave Maeve, though. I think that, you know, he... He told her outright that if it's going to be a choice between him and Otis, he'd rather not. There, if the fact that there's a choice is a problem for him, yeah. Um, so he's not going to, you know, mess allow himself to be messed around. And if you know, if she's umming and ahhing, the fact that she's umming and ahhing suggests that it's not right. And um, I think that's one of the reasons that Isaac has um, become a bit more likable to view is in the fact that he won't, won't allow himself to be, um, you know, taken for, for granted. And if someone's not sure about him, then that's fine. He's happy to 
to let them go. And obviously, so far, his you know his his relationship has, with Maeve has been the main part of his story. But I'm I'm sure there's plenty more to tell with Isaac. Yeah, so am I. Um, I also, you just reminded me, I love the line that Isaac says to Maeve where he says, you know, that's why you give me a hard time more than anyone else because you know that that's what's going to make me feel seen. Yeah. How how much did that resonate with you personally? Uh, quite a lot in the sense of, um, I mean, particularly in the first few years after um, my injury, um, and I think I think this goes for a, a lot of people, whether you're disabled or, or or not. Is it's very easy to push people away, and be, um, you know, addicted people, and then people are just like, oh no, that's just that's just how he is. He's just he pushes people away, and if that's how you're treated permanently, and you're allowed to get away with stuff and then as soon as someone calls you out on it you suddenly feel like you have yeah be, been seen you're not gonna you're you're not you're not gonna be allowed to get away with that anymore and that is just as validating as anything else and yeah the thing with Isaac is that you know particularly in, in season two with uh, making up of the stories about his injury um you know the Afghan dogs um, the the mysterious incident involving the wind, all of that, when that gets questioned by someone, he's suddenly, oh, okay, that's interesting. I'm not going to be able to get away with that. And that, like I said, can be incredibly validating. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What has playing Isaac taught you about living with a disability, if, if anything? Well, I think it's just, I mean, like, like I said, that level of self-assuredness. Um, and just, yeah, just th- that level of confidence of you exist. You don't have to apologize for your existence. You are a totally valid human. You, um, yeah, you, you don't need to, yeah, like I say, you don't need to apologize for your existence. Life can be just as fulfilling, um, yeah, as, as, as it had been you know, before or if, if yeah, if you hadn't had a disability at all, you're valid. Watching the show, right, I've always rooted for Isaac and Maeve uh-huh. throughout since he's been a character. 
And it was only when season three finished that I sort of questioned myself and I thought, why does it seem so Like, why am I so annoyed that Maeve has gone back to Otis? And why do I find it? Why am I rooting so much more for Isaac when, you know, he's behaved badly too? And then I thought, is this my own sort of prejudice? Because Isaac has a disability and therefore I'm rooting for him more. And then that, and then I thought, well, that's quite problematic if that's where that comes from. But I kind of had to question myself a bit and, and think, well, why is it that I feel that way? And yeah. I wonder if other viewers feel like that or if that's a common experience. Where And that's what's so brilliant, I think, about the show is if it's hopefully making people question their bias, I suppose. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's very interesting that you, you say that. And I, I agree that a lot of the reasons behind, you know, those, those things are just because of the fantastic, you know, the, the, the writing behind the character of Isaac and that whole arc of it. Because the structure of the show, the structure of the teen genre is based around the will they, won't they of it. Um, but then with the writers, I mean, with introduction of Isaac and then w- with Ruby on the, on the other side, is that you've got such compelling relationships on either side of that um, structural romance, let's say, um, that it makes you begin, it really begin makes you question those tropes. Um, and yeah, I, I have sort of thought about like what the, analyzing the reasons and whether that instinctive oh go on yeah go on Isaac is whether that's condescending at all in terms of wait why am I rooting for Isaac is it just because like oh go on go on lad yeah you get, yeah exactly you're in a chair you know go on let's let's give him a pat on the head but no it's not because of that is it it's because he and Maeve have a connection and it's, it goes far beyond box ticking because of of the way it's written. Um, totally. Yeah. I think I think if anything, it speaks to it, the lack of representation in popular culture because I, I really just can't think of any other uh, films and TV shows of this magnitude where you've seen that kind of central relationship play out between an able-bodied person and someone with a disability. Not not anything recent that I've seen anyway. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I'm not very good at watching things, unfortunately. Um, I have my, I think, I think everyone does. I have my, like, go-to comfort TV shows that I rewatch. What are they? Is it Friends? No, no, I, I've never actually watched Friends. Um, really? I think because my mum watched it a lot. Um, so I've, like, seen bits and bobs of episodes, but I've never really gone to it you know i think it's like i'm a massive fan of like uh british comedy and stuff so i really like the uk office but then also the us office uh always sunny in philadelphia is always a is a go-to um but yeah i i'm i'm trying to be better and a more rounded person who watches um uh, a wide variety of things i mean my recommendation, and also we'll edit this out because this is totally irrelevant, but Succession, have you seen Succession? I need to. I need to. That's, it's, if, that's the best yeah. thing on TV, apart from sex education. Yeah, obviously. thank you. <laughs> I know, I, I, I'm, I'm seven episodes into Squid Game at the moment. 
Oh, I haven't seen that. I've heard that's supposed it's to be good. Wild. It's very, very good. Okay, I'll watch that. Um, what do you think are some of the myths and misconceptions that you notice people have with regards to sex and dating and people with disabilities? I wouldn't say I'm totally sure. I think it's just... I don't know. Do you think there's an assumption that there's like, you know, if you have a disability, there's therefore a, a significant lack of sexual desire, for example? Like, is that a myth or misconception that you have experienced or noticed people having I suppose I think so I think part of it is just you know I mean particularly for me is that I had a lot of ableism built up within myself I mean like I said I'd you know been doing sport using my whole body my entire life um and I think you know just completely unknowingly had built up a lot of those misconceptions uh, my, myself in terms of you know not really understanding how um you know sexual desire works for people with disabilities i hadn't you know really thought about that i'd sort of you know like like you say lazily assumed that um you know not that was it for for them but possibly that it wasn't they weren't as valid an, an option and i've realized that that's totally wrong and uh I, and it after my injury, it took me a long time to to break down that internalized ableism. Um, but I've realized that, yeah, like like I said before, is uh, people with disabilities or, or whatever are totally valid, intimate beings, sexual beings, and there's there's nothing really different in terms of their wants and desires. What would you like to see more of on screen when it comes to representing people with disabilities in their romantic relationships? Because I think popular culture does make a big difference in terms of tackling that ableism um, because it, yeah. it, it, you know, it's the closest thing to, I guess, eliciting empathy and getting people to kind of uh, engage with the story in that, in that way, I suppose. Yeah, I think I just want to see more representation across the spectrum really because at the end of the day people with disabilities are everything in like they have their their you know their uh husbands sons their they they lose they lose their jobs they you know go through financial hardship um everything that anyone else would go through someone with a disability equally goes through so i just want to sort of see um disabled people in 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 everything really um and then as soon as we get that and the the, the stories that we we see disabled people um in if the story is like completely separate to their disability then that's 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 life isn't it that's you know the fact that I'm in a wheelchair doesn't stop the fact that I have to go to, you know, Morrison's or whatever. It's not, it's not the entirety of my being. It's just a means of transport. Yeah. I think I just want to see more. Hmm. There have been some um, quite criticized representations in the past. Um, specifically, I'm thinking of me before you, the JJ Moyes book that was made into a film that paints a fairly bleak picture uh, it's safe to say um 
you know, I won't describe the plot for those who haven't seen the film, but, you know, the character that Sam Claflin plays, it's um, it's not the most... Uh, I mean, what did you think of that, I suppose? I mean, I, I like I said, I think it's bleak, but um, yeah. what did you think of that, of that story and also the fact that, obviously, then that instance you had an able-bodied actor playing that character? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it. I've got no desire to see it at all um I mean I really respect Sam Claflin and Amelia Clark um in their other roles uh <laughs> I, I I feel I yeah I, I don't really have you know too much to to say on that just simply because I, I don't see it as a valid uh you know it's it's not a, a film that intrigues me in any way. And I think perhaps even like the, the it's just the, the ignorance of it, um, you know, and you just know how, you know, a book becomes popular. Then the book has to be made into a movie. I think it's just the, the, the circus somewhat of the, the industry just following where the money is. So I've got no ill will towards, um, Sam or Amelia for, for taking that part. I, I just don't, um, yeah, I just don't rate it as a story to, to say yeah. because that's, if, if the only time that you're going to make a story about someone with a disability is, you know, questioning whether anyone could ever dare to live with a disability, then it's just, all right, come on. I don't, that's not a story. I'd rather see people uh, with disabilities existing, not, in an existential crisis at every single waking moment, because that's not life. That's not uh, something I'm, I'm interested in seeing. Can I ask what you would like, if Isaac does return in the next season of Sex Education, what you would like for the character? Do you think that he should get back with Maeve? What would you like to happen to him? I just want to get out of the caravan park, quite frankly. You know. <laughs> Fair um, enough. <laughs> yeah, because I think he's got so much to offer the world of, Mordale and um, he's got chaos. He's a very chaotic being, um, and he has got chaos to spread um, throughout the entirety of Mordale, not just be confined to the um, the caravan park. And fingers crossed for that, because um, yeah, there's a lot more I want to do with him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I'd love to see him at some more parties and that kind of thing. Yeah, he's a he's a chaotic being. He's fun to watch. Yeah agent of chaos yeah um it's time for our lessons in love segment so this is the part of the show where i ask every guest to share something valuable that they've learned from their previous relationship experiences so george what is your lesson in love today part of it is just just respecting one another's space and not feeling the need to exist with someone for the outside world so you're with someone because you're into them, not because of the validation that being with them is going to give you from other people. Mm. You know, we live in a world with, you know, Instagram and, and Twitter. Yeah. If you're constantly, if, if your existence is predicated on pleasing others rather than pleasing yourself and your partner, then it's, then it becomes a very shallow superficial existence. And I think I've learned in my experiences that, being in the moment and not being 
um, not living for a snapshot of you um, that you can post on on the Instagram, the, the, the focus on the experience of it itself. Um, that's probably the most thing. Yeah. Mm, I think it's something that we can't really talk about enough, really, because it's because relationships for so many people have become commodities for people who have X amount of Instagram followers. You know, it's like, oh, couple goals and date night and whatever. And these are yeah. people who, you know, they'll then get hashtag gifted a date night at a fancy restaurant or whatever but the the, that trickles down and we live in this culture now I think where you know people put pressure on one another to post about each other on their social media profiles the idea being that if you don't post about one another it's like you're not in a relationship well it's it's like the 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 thing of like what it picks or it didn't happen exactly like no it like the things you're going to look back on are not going to be oh that that photo I took of you know us two wearing our dressing gowns together got you know however many likes it's going to be no I had a really really fantastic you know weekend away with you um, yeah it's that- hard though you have to actively choose not to engage in it though because I think yeah. it's we're conditioned to care about that and we're conditioned to find validation in that yeah so- and I think that you know, if, if that's what you want to do, if you want to post it, post it for yourself. Don't post it because you think other people um, want it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I um, I wrote about this in my book. Like there's a whole chapter on it called Couple Goals uh-huh. where because I just I just find it really fascinating because here I am interrogating it and criticizing it. But at the same time. I used to agonize about the fact that my boyfriend hadn't posted a picture of me on social media. And then it wasn't even just that. It was the fact that, oh, he posted about me on his story, but not on his grid. And it's that there's a difference. Yeah, Yeah. sure. And it is, but it's, it's, it drives me mad. Like I can, I can criticize it and say it's ridiculous, but I'm culpable of it as well. So that's what I mean. You have to like, I'm, I'm so, I certainly, um, as well in terms of you know there's the I mean we're all we're on a process of simultaneously trying to become better people but you know we, we we make we make mistakes and sometimes we do wander into the self-indulgent parts of living for other people um you know just for their validation but yeah I think just live live for yourself live with the live for the people that you love I think that's probably the main thing That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a new listener to Millennial Love, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or anywhere else. Please do comment and leave us a rating too so that more people can find us. You can keep up to date with everything to do with the show on Instagram. Just search Millennial Love. See you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.